It's weird that he is specifically only credited as a consultant on three episodes of the Hannah TV show. Welcome to the official Dunstan Checks In podcast uh, brought to you by Universal Pictures. Uh, This is the podcast where we break down minute by minute the 1996 ape film Dunstan Checks In and we pair each of those minutes with another feature film. I'm Lord Andrew. I'm Diet Coke. Uh, what are we doing? This oh, uh, we you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna say something that's gonna piss you off so bad. Uh, did, you forgot to watch the minute. I forgot to watch the minute. Mm. It's the last minute before the credits, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't watch it at all. Uh, I watched it when I picked the movie. That counts, right? Yeah, we're gonna let that count for today. Honestly, this is like this is last day of school vibes, right? Because it's it's the last <laughs> non credits minute. It's a little looser, a little more fun. You can pull up we're the talking minute for about yourself a deeply right now. racist and problematic movie. <laughs> yeah, if you want to pull up the minute for yourself right now, because I am going to reference some visual aspects. Okay, that I'll I, just I'll, I'll have I want you to back me up on. Background. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so we start with uh, oh, by the way, it's minute eighty three. Yes, uh, and and you've paired it with Fitzcarraldo. Yes, that's correct. Um, which I'm sure you'll get into that at some point. <laughs> yes. Um. So we we the minute starts with just the last sound that uh, Lionel Spaulding is making, mm-hmm. uh, and then the at the the check in desk, uh, the woman says, "Welcome to the Valley, Majestic." Yeah. Um, so in previous in the previous minute, we had just heard this woman speaking, uh, I believe, Japanese uh, to another guest. And so now she's speaking English. Yeah. Uh, multilingual check in person. Yeah. Makes sense. You gotta be when you're at the Bali Majestic. Um, so then we see uh, we see the outside. Uh, there's like a, a swimming pool mm-hmm. and we're hearing. Mr. Grant, we see him. He he shows up. Uh, he's he's saying to Lionel Spaulding, "I'm so glad that you've accepted our invitation." Um, and now Lionel Spaulding is stretched out in a uh, by the pool, and Neil is sitting in the chair next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in the background, I I do like heard... that Neil is sitting. Neil has his own chair. He's not just in the yeah. lap or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I distinctly heard dolphin noises. Yeah, that sounds right for this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, and like it's just generic, like tropical shit that they're throwing in. I, Someone's like dolphins. Yeah, that's right. And the the music that is playing during this part is very, you know, like I think what you would generically hear is island themed. Yeah, it's a lot of drums. We we maybe see a, someone playing like um, not bongos, but like they're like bongos but bigger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. like hand drums, but they're big. Yeah, and it's kind of vaguely calypso music. I it, yeah, it's it. The weird thing to me was it sounded familiar, and I think the a couple of the notes of it sound like the song "Home," like "Home Sweet Home." Interesting. That's a song. Like the yeah, it's like a it's more of a tune that that they play whenever like a cartoon character like comes home at the end of a day. I'm not familiar. Um, the words there are words. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know it. It's like like that. No idea That's what like you're talking tune. about. Okay, well, great. Cool. <laughs> sorry. 
if you if you could recall any Bugs Bunny cartoon, and he like at the end of a long day or something, he comes home. They play that little tune. If you say so, it's like everyone knows this song. You say any Bugs Bunny cartoon? <laughs> we know well, famously so any... many Bugs Bunny car. Every single cartoon, he's coming home after a long I'm day. Any when he comes home. I'm not saying that he comes home in all of them. I'm just saying if there's one where he comes home, he like pulls up into bed. They're playing that song. I'm sorry, I don't recall. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so uh, Mr. Grant. Did you talk about uh, already how he's drinking out of a coconut, Lionel Spalding is? No, I didn't. Go ahead he's and say that. He's drinking out of a coconut, and there's like a lot of fruit, but it's like, well, maybe it's not fruit. Maybe it's just like little plastic baubles because they don't, like some of them could be grapes, but the rest of them don't really correspond to a fruit that I'm familiar with. Yeah, it almost I'd looks agree like with a, that. it almost looks like someone put like a like someone re repurposed a Christmas mistletoe decoration into <laughs> like some garnish for this drink. That's extremely possible. It's also not a real coconut because it has like a stand on it that like the material that makes up the stand is like meant to look like coconut material, but yeah. coconuts don't have stands on them. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So then. Uh, Mr. Grant saying, oh, my family and I were glad to welcome you here. I would also like to and, talk about um, Brian's jacket. Yeah, I I wrote down the words Brian's jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Brian. it's, I, is it in the style of like a like a Bond villain, right? Like the Nehru jacket? Well, it's it's a little bit Nehru jacket, and it's but it's also a little bit like um, if I was being generous to Brian, I would say it's a little bit like the cover for Sergeant Pepper's, like those kind of military jackets. But I would mm. say more accurately, it's like when Panic at the Disco was doing their version of dressing like the Sergeant Pepper uh, cover. Wow. It kind of looks like that. It's like, but it's I didn't like know, it's uh, we, we were calling we were calling out Panic at the Disco. <laughs> I only say that because my beautiful girlfriend Casey, who uh, is a lot more familiar with that music than I am, and who grew up in Vegas, where Panic at the Disco is from, frequently makes fun of uh, their look in that era, and apparently mm-hmm. a lot of people do. Even though she likes that album, and, and if, if, wearing... if I'm speaking inaccurately right now, she can just say something. <laughs> she just said it's a great album, but they were assholes dressing like assholes or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Brian is wearing this jacket over, I believe it's just a t shirt, but it has like shirt, a striped. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like this look. look. No. <laughs> it's a bad look. <laughs> I just compared him to Panic at the Disco when they were their most dressing like assholes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I want to incorporate a jacket into my looks. I know we're in sunny California. I mean, but... he's in Sunny Valley and he's doing it. Yeah. Um, so then. We have Neil is barking, but we don't know why. Yes. Uh, Mr. Grant is just droning on, I yeah. think I would say. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's spewing out every fact about this hotel. I actually kind of every... want to talk about Lionel Spalding's robe as well. Okay. It's a... Is it a robe or is it a play suit? Well, it is, you know? it is, it is, it is very much resemblant of a, of a, of a terry cloth play suit, the kind that a certain mm-hmm. James Bond might wear in the movie Goldfinger. Um, it's yellow though, and it has a zipper, which mm-hmm. it's just uh, the zipper is just weird to me. <laughs> Why? I feel like that type of clothing doesn't normally have a zipper like that. I feel like it's the '90s. That's the '90s version of that type of clothing. Fair, you're wrong. It's a pale yellow though. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So Neil is barking. Mr. Grant is droning on, listing off everything about where where they're staying. He mentions uh, that if if 
Mr. Spaulding would like, he can extend a line of credit for the casino. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, Lionel Spaulding gambles? Um, I think he, I think he, you know, I, I think he dabbles. I don't think he's like a serious gambler at all, but I think he, I think if he's staying, I think especially actually as a hotel reviewer, if he's staying at a facility that has a casino, it's kind of part of his job to check out the casino. Hmm. And uh, but I think he doesn't like it. I don't, I don't think he dislikes it. I think he's just like, it's a bit of fun, but he, 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 he very purposely has like a line drawn in his brain to not take it too seriously. Okay. Um, at one point while he's going on and on, uh, Mr. Grant does mention if you hear any native islanders, there's nothing to worry about. We could talk about Fitzcarraldo now. I mean, it's it's sort of I was going to talk about it at the end of the minute, but it's it's kind of I mean that kind of hits on why I chose Fitzcarraldo. Sure. Um, so Fitzcarraldo and this minute have I would say two things in common. Um, they are both attempting a Herculean task, uh, and Fitzcarraldo is bringing a, a very large boat over a mountain. And in mm-hmm. this minute, it is Mr. Grant trying to have a normal day where, when Dunstan and Mr. Spaulding are in the same room. Um, but more than that, uh, there, uh, this minute and the movie both feature uh, white protagonists who, um, with 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 gusto and with excitement and when zero uh critical eye uh profit off of uh colonial colonialism and the expectation of uh indigenous people which is mm. you know easy to write off and just a shitty little one-off joke in this minute but it's kind of the whole movie in Fitzcarraldo. yeah um Fitzcarraldo also the other, the other reason why i picked it is because as someone who um has enjoyed some of uh, Werner Herzog's other movies. Uh, this being kind of held by some in esteem as one of his best held in, by others, uh, you know, as the reason why you shouldn't like Werner Herzog. Um, I, I felt like I should see it at some point in my life. Um, and uh, when it comes, you know what? Uh, saddling myself with a task that I don't want to do, but I feel I have to something about that just reminded me of, of the process of the official Dunstan checks in <laughs> podcast. And, uh, since we're on the last episode, I figured I'd, uh, I don't know. Sure. Had you seen uh, it crawled up before? No, I hadn't. What, and, um, what did you know about I, it before this? I knew that it was the boat in the jungle like that's and they i think i kind of knew they took it over land i didn't know it was like i knew that it was difficult well the whole thing about this movie that people talk about and depending on how deeply they want to actually go into this you know the people who like the movie and the people who understandably i I would say correctly hate the movie uh both point out the fact that this is a movie about someone doing the impossible task of carrying this boat over a mountain and it's also what Werner herzog did in real life to get those shots um he just actually did the thing uh which meant that in real life he also uh exploited and endangered a lot of people's lives uh for no reason. And at the end of the movie, we, we, we come to find that it was for no reason. And in real life, uh, it was similarly in this um, uh, pursuit of art, pursuit of art in quotes that sort of loses the fact that uh, people are people. And if he had done this to white people, he would have gotten in trouble for it. But mm-hmm. he didn't. And so he didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what more we want to say about it. What did you what did you think about the movie watching it? Well, I I think I was of those two minds throughout by the end of it, where it's this is 
I guess, impressive in a sense, but it's also horrifying. Also, like, evil. <laughs> yeah, it's it's truly, this movie was not good for any single person on the set. No, this is also the movie where famously an extra uh, made an offer to Werner Herzog, Werner Herzog that he would murder Klaus Kinski for him, and mm. Werner Herzog, quote, reluctantly declined. Now, c- can we talk a little about Klaus Kinski. Yes, I would love to talk about Klaus Kinski. He has an extremely distinct look. Yes, he does. And that's, I think, another reason why I kind of wanted to watch that movie is because he has one of the most interesting faces to look at, just generally. Yeah. Yeah. He's not... And he, he, I, mean, I can't say if he is a handsome man or an ugly man, because he mm. sort of defies those kind, that kind of binary rule. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He is a man of extreme features. Mm-hmm. I I think, and I don't even know what I expected out of this movie. I almost expected it to be more that he, you know, goes mad over the course of this quest and kills someone or something. And that just doesn't happen. Well, that's the other weird thing about this movie is we're watching this movie and we're seeing this character do these very obviously bad things. But like... Mm. I think we're supposed to root for him, and I I don't. Well, yeah, he also has that kind of um, shitty white colonial thing of, like, if only the natives could hear the opera. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. That's why I think it is weirdly paralleling Werner Herzog's real-life thing of doing this in pursuit of art. Like, it is, in, it, it is you are both Werner Herzog in real life and the character of Fitzcarraldo are uh, white guys going into the jungle and... Um, killing uh killing and maiming indigenous people in in service of a very western idea of quote-unquote art and for Mm. for fitzcarraldo that's the opera for Werner herzog that is the movie that he's making um it's just it's weird that they're both so shitty and in exactly the same way Mm -hmm. and i guess that makes sense why this character is portrayed as the hero even though he's very obviously not it's because that's how Werner Herzog saw himself. Now, um, prior to this, ha- were you more into Werner Herzog's uh, feature films or documentary films? Um, feature films. And honestly, feature films on him as an actor. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to like him after having watched this. Yeah. Which maybe um, in my own in my own kind of shitty way, like maybe that's you know, I kind of knew it was wrong that I liked Werner Herzog so much and I was putting off watching this because I didn't I didn't want to admit that to myself. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, this movie's a kind of a bummer. I mean it's like a it's a well shot bummer, but it's a it's a it's an evil bummer nonetheless. Can I can I tell you, um before watching this film, I thought, Oh yeah, I'm familiar with the works of Werner Herzog. Yeah. Uh, I'd only seen one of his films before this. He's also made like an, a crazy amount. I, I was actually looking at his Wikipedia page, and it's crazy. He's mm-hmm. made like fifty films because he's he's. There have been so many years where he made a feature film, a fiction film, and a documentary, and maybe mm-hmm. I think he's even had a couple years where he made three movies in one year. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has directed seventeen operas, which I didn't know about him. Which, uh, I, I good uh, good good. Worth work ethic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, I had only seen uh, his adaptation of Nosferatu. Oh, that's interesting. I have not seen that. I've seen a, I've seen a, a, a handful of his his fiction films and a handful of his documentaries, but I have not seen Nosferatu. 
Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I remember very distinctly. It's funny. I watched it because I really liked the original Nosferatu. Yeah. And so I thought, well, you know, let me let me check this out. Nosferatu, and, I would say more than uh, any other Dracula, all versions of Nosferatu, more than any of the other mm-hmm. Dracula adaptations, focus on Dracula's ability to create. Uh, what are they? What are they called? What, what is Renfield? Oh, um, um, they do have a funny name, don't they? Yeah, I can't remember it. Um, I mean, it's essentially like a like a little zombie or something yeah. but they're more it's i, I have more of a mind yeah i i just like a i like a dracula movie that has a weird little zombie that eats rats i think that <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and this this movie i even remember from when i watched uh herzog's nosferatu uh there's a part where it's just so it is klaus kinski is nosferatu yeah that and there's a part where, a lot where he's like he's in a place with a lot of skulls yeah and I was just like, how did he get all these skulls? I mean, there are places in the world where there are a lot of skulls. It was just really, and I knew they were not fake. Like, these were real skulls. I don't know. I was. Yeah, I, to, to, I, uh, yeah that's weird. But also, like, I don't know. Like, you could go to, like, there, there are locations where you could go and that's just standing there. I, I don't, I don't, I think uh, Werner Herzog has done some evil things in his career. I don't necessarily think that's one of them. Like, you could go to the Bastille in Paris and see skulls. I think he acquired a lot of skulls. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I get what you're getting at, um, but I don't know. I, I I think we should try to hold him more accountable for the things that he definitely did do. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's enough on... And Fitzgerald is very long. It is a very long movie. Yeah. So I guess thanks for that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry for involving you in in what I felt was a personal obligation. Yeah, personal obligation for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Native Islanders, there's nothing to worry about, which I think is just an odd line in this minute. Well, yeah, it's it, but it's also I don't know. It's it's weirdly. Uh, I mean, it, it. You say it's an odd line in this minute. It's. I think it's weird and shitty but i think it is weird and shitty in a way that is consistent with uh mainstream uh like family comedies and in which case like natives are native people are just like an other you can use and 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 they can be Mm -hmm. portrayed as friendly or threatening depending on the tone you try to uh you're trying to strike but in either way they are just sort of portrayed as uh weird others that are impossible for to, for us to understand and that's why if they are friendly we if you're a hotel manager you must make apologies for them yeah um which sucks yep uh so then the camera pans up the palm tree that is behind lionel spaulding yeah and at the top of that palm tree is dunstan and two others yeah, dunstan has like a little family now yeah dunstan and family yeah. now let me tell you when i watch this minute today mm-hmm. i had forgotten that dunstan had a little family <laughs> yeah that was a real shock to me same uh but yeah there there is a second ape and a smaller ape uh i don't know if this is implying that dunstan this is dunstan's biological son or if dunstan has just joined this little family yeah, how I don't much know. later is this did, did, did dunstan sort of uh meet a nice lady orangutan who had a who had a kid and <laughs> decided to to become that child's step ape or uh yeah 
or is this or is this his biological child as you say i don't know mm -hmm. and so mr grant says something like every with every fiber of my body nothing will happen to you yeah and he he tells uh lionel spaulding oh b make sure to check out the bally high buffet yeah i neil does that mean something no <laughs> of course okay. it doesn't Maybe it's just like the, what they call their buffet at the Bally Majestic. Hmm. Uh, but Bally High Buffet? I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like a high school. I wonder if a high, if high buffet is like a specific kind of buffet. Oh, there's the low buffet and there's the high buffet. I wonder if I wonder if there's someone within earshot who maybe grew up in a town <laughs> known for buffets who could tell me if high buffet has a specific connotation. I'm going to think the answer is no, much like many things in this movie. Yeah. That's just bullshit. Yeah, yeah. she has not responded. So either she's playing video games or no, there isn't. Um, so then we see Dunstan is holding a coconut, mm -hmm. large coconut, big coconut, bigger than the drink that uh, Lionel Spaulding is drinking out of. Um, Kyle is attempting to get his father's attention and, to warn him that he sees Dunstan with the coconut. And Neil is trying to get his father's attention for the same reason. Yeah. Now I have a theory here. Mm -hmm. Now, Dunstan is dropping this coconut purposefully. Yes. I, think, I would argue that Dunstan is maybe even throwing the coconut. Yeah, but I think Dunstan is attacking Neil. Oh. Remember at the, at the if you can recall, the beginning of the film, well, not even the beginning, Dunstan and Neil are adversaries from the beginning. I don't know that I would call them adversaries. Dunstan's trying to do his job and Neil comes at him <laughs> and and that's how Neil ends up falling off the roof yeah but I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I don't think there's I don't think there's enough in the text to support that interpretation and I don't think it's a worthwhile or well, fun headcanon so I'm, I'm afraid <laughs> that I have to reject it outright well, definitely not in the first thing that you brought up, but for the second thing, I think that's the only way that it makes sense that Dunstan's attacking Lionel Spaulding. I think no, I think in 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 much the same way that a that a mischievous kitten might knock shit off a table, something that I have a lot of experience with right now. <laughs> hmm. um, in the same way that a mischievous kitten might uh, knock something off a table just to see what happens when it falls, I think Dunstan too might just be like, what'll happen if I throw a coconut at this guy and, and, and doesn't really understand that he's hurting somebody. Hmm. This is, again, goes back Perhaps. to Dunstan having both uh, sub and uh, above human intelligence. I think, I think he has both, <laughs> depending on the needs of the scene. Well, uh, this does come bring the film and perhaps Lionel Spaulding's life to a conclusion. Thank fucking God. Well, the, the coconut, we see a shot down. Mr. Spaulding is screaming. We see the shot up. The coconut comes down, hits Mr. Spaulding and us, the viewer. Yeah. And they we fade to black and never come up again. That it the is music the music begins to play and that's the end of the minute. It is crazy how perfectly this movie ends and goes to credits on a minute mark like that. Mm-hmm. I love it. One the one kindness that Dunstan checks in <laughs> showed us. <laughs> Um, our next minute, our first credits minute, we have a guest. We do. Yeah. Do, would you like to? Uh, or where is it a secret? No, but we are joined by the lovely guest Carrie Griffin. We will be talking about the film 
a life less ordinary. I you nailed it. Came so close to saying the incorrect thing that I keep that I kept calling it in the episode itself, but I didn't. Uh-huh. It, the film was called A Life Less Ordinary, and that's what we'll be talking about. And that's all we'll be talking about on the next minute because fuck the credits. Yeah. And I um, honestly, I, I in an act of disre- I, I, it, you know, when I first made this decision, it was just to be like, "There's nothing to talk about the credits. Let's just talk about the movies." When I first pitched this idea to you, but I would like mm. to rebrand it as a purposeful act of disrespect to the people who made this movie for what they did <laughs> to the world and to us. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. Uh. So yeah, I you can find me on other podcasts such as Nothing New, a remake podcast that I do with Justin Keys on every month. We talk about uh, remakes, film remakes. Uh, our most recent episode is about um, a, a remake that Spike Lee did. Um, that's right. Uh, famously, he did a remake, and it's called "The Sweet Blood of Jesus." <laughs> Would you not argue that in some ways uh, Chirac is a remake? Oh, I definitely had that argument. <laughs> Believe you me, Diet Coke. When Justin and I were were coming up with what remake are we going to do from Spike Lee, I said we must consider Chirac. <laughs> Fair enough. And, because uh, it's like that a Greek play that has probably been other movies. Yeah, and um, uh, Old Boy was shot down by Justin. I forgot uh, so, that he did the old boy remake. That's that's what I was trying to. I was thinking people would think of old boy when I said his I his most famous forgot. remake. I remember that there was a hated old boy remake, but I forgot that he, Spike Lee directed it. He disowned it because the studio took control. Oh, that's part of the story. Of uh, but but yeah, the sweet blood of Jesus is a remake of a kind of a little known um, uh, film, kind of about vampires, uh, called Ganja and Hess. Interesting. So, uh, so that's it's an interesting episode. I, I, I think people will. That definitely enjoy. seems like a more fun option than Old Boy. <laughs> I think Justin yeah. was right to shoot that down. That's how you know mm-hmm. that's a good podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how you know you got a good co-host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, check that out. bandvnetworkcom slash nothing new and uh, my other show. It's on my list. Because it's on my list. Pod. Kiss, com. Kiss, uh, every month. On my list. Me and five others, or well, there's five of us all together. Uh, we get together and we talk about movies that people say you should see, or people that we say other people should see. Um, and we actually did a, a very different kind of episode for us, uh, where we talked about the documentary film Thirteenth, uh, because we believe that it is a pretty a valuable film that people should see. If they need convincing that, um, you know, the prison industrial complex is real and uh, everything's fucked up. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you have a relative who just watches the news and doesn't get it, yeah. maybe they can watch that movie and go, hmm, maybe maybe they'll finally start to understand. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's on my list pod dot com. Uh, check those out uh, and you can find me on twitter and instagram at podcaster andrew you can find me on twitter and instagram at very cool emily you can also watch me stream on twitch just go to dietcoke.cool or twitch.tv slash dietcoke 666 um what, what's up i got some other podcasts one of them is called go go godzilla which i host with that fucking punk you might have heard about named justin keys on uh and vic perfecto he's not a punk he's a great guy um 
that's on the, the Benview Network, benviewnetwork.com for that. You can also check out the Big Match Minute, which uh, I sort of a similar thing to this show, but we talk about wrestling. I do that with Lily. Uh, and that's on the Noise Space Network, noisespace.xyz for that one, or XYZ if you're Canadian. Um, <laughs> rate and review us on iTarns. Do you have anything to say to I, that? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, when you go on iTarns, put your favorite just write give us please give us five stars, five stars. Um, and then in the body of the review instead of actually giving a review because obviously people just will know they should listen yeah um the text your review should be your favorite character from itonia okay sure because it's on itones i said itarns oh i miss her that's fine we're sticking with it um <laughs> What else? What else do we do? We got a Patreon. We got a YouTube. Go to oh, YouTube. we got a Patreon. We got a YouTube. We got a Instagram. We got a Twitter. The Patreon, uh, you know, uh, a portion of the proceeds on our Patreon go to um, uh, a good cause, R A I C E S, and you you'll get uh, the bonus episodes like the Mario Monthly. Yeah. Where every every month we do a little update on what's going on in the world of Mario, and sometimes we check out things that people uh, maybe wouldn't consider in the Mario yeah, canon. The, we... the deeper Mario ephemera, as I call it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you also get access to the pre-show, which is the little bits of uh, bullshitting Andrew and I do before the official recording begins. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Uh, it's as long as a full episode. <laughs> sometimes it really is. <laughs> I think that about covers it. Yeah. Remember, that's the spell with a U. Fuck! And we're checking out. Feeding peckish this midnight? Seat your appetite for terror and reserve your ears for a feast of the sound. The Midnight Marinara Podcast is here for you, intrepid listener. We sample only the finest and sinister stories and, quoting them with our own unique spooky sauce, present them to you as eerie audio dramas. Tune in as Midnight Marinara sends shivers of fear and spasms of laughter through you. Bon appetit. <laughs> This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.